Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to anyone listening, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Well-Read Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bierke, aka The Real Bookish Writer. I am a reader, writer, bookseller, book festival goer, and I am and always have been obsessed with genre fiction. While you're here, there will be two segments, a short one where I review the books I've read for the past week, and then a longer one which will consist of a one-on-one author interview. I absolutely love the author I interviewed this week, so without further ado, let's jump right in. I actually only read one book this past week, which is very, very rare for me, but my cousin got married on Saturday and I was in the wedding, so instead of burying myself in books like I normally do, I took the week to relax, spend time with family, and celebrate two of my favorite people. Congratulations, Tanner and Marie. I love you both, and I am so incredibly happy for the both of you. For the third week in a row, though, I stayed on the Chloe Lease train and read the third book in the Bergman Brothers series, Ever After Always. While the first two have been focused on a Bergman brother, this one actually focuses on a Bergman sister, Freya, and her husband, Aiden. The two have spent over a decade together and never thought they'd find their marriage on the rocks. He's been her partner and best friend until one day Freya realizes the man she married is nowhere to be found. Aiden is quiet and withdrawn, and as time wears on, the growing distance between them becomes just too much to bear. His anxiety continues to grow as the pressure of providing and planning for the one thing that would make his wife happy is the one thing he's not sure he can give, a baby. And as if marriage counseling wasn't enough, they're forced to spend time together and reconnect on a family holiday to Hawaii, and it turns out it might be the very thing they need to open up and rediscover their love for each other. This book was so genuine and heartfelt and was one of the best marriage and crisis stories I've ever read. The way their relationship was portrayed was real and raw and I loved how neither of them was actually wrong about what was bothering them or why they weren't working. They were just on different wavelengths for periods of time. And even when it felt like they wouldn't make it through, I could still feel the love they had for each other. This one also has great representation with anxiety and body positivity and was a great second chance romance. Well, that's it for this week's reviews. I told you it was going to be a short one. So let's dive into our author interview. So I am very honored to introduce today's guest, who is not only an incredible author, but a wonderfully kind individual. She is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, and her books, The Nature of Witches, Wild is the Witch, and her newest release, Bring Me Your Midnight, are inspired by the magic of the world around her and her love of the Pacific Northwest. She has a deep love of nature, adores moody skies and thunderstorms, and hopes more vampires settle down in her beloved state of Washington. When she isn't writing full-time, you can find her wandering the Pacific Northwest, reading by the fire, or adding to her growing collection of houseplants. Please welcome the amazing Rachel Griffin. Hello, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am so excited to have you here. I have been a fan of yours for several years now, and your books, they just keep getting better and better. And I don't know how you do it because I'm in love with every single one. So you did mention earlier that you just turned in a book yesterday, and I know you can't tell us anything about it, but how was that process? How is that process going? Good. I mean, every book I feel like is different. Um, And this one has been a bit of a creative challenge for me. It's something I haven't done before. And so uh, um, it, it was very rewarding in that sense. And also I think um, scarier in a way, like, you know, I've now written 
like three young adult contemporary fantasy, fantasy witchy books. And when I sit down to write one of those, I kind of, I wouldn't say I have full confidence, but I feel at this point pretty comfortable that I'm going to be able to end up with something that I love and that I'm excited about. And when you start writing in, uh, you know, things that feel a little bit different, I feel like all of that, oh, is this actually any good? Do I actually know what I'm doing? That all stuff starts to come back up. Not to say I don't have that with every book because I definitely do in the revision stage, but there's something about doing writing a book that I've with things I've never tried to do before that's just a little intimidating in a way that um like Bring Me or Midnight wasn't well I'm already hooked so as a reader <laughs> and a massive fan that sounds great to me I'm very excited to see what it is eventually when you announce it and I'm I just I'm very excited you have me hooked <laughs> uh so what made you want to be a writer because I know you had a full-time job before you became a full-time writer and you worked in some different industries so what made you just sit down one day and go, I want to do this. I want to produce books. This is what I want to do. Yeah. So I've always loved writing ever since I was a little kid. Um, and when I was young, I wrote like a lot of poetry and songs and short stories. And it was like the pipe dream to become a published author one day. Um, actually, when I was when I was 10 years old, I had my like list of things I wanted to do before I died and write a book and have it published was at the top. And nice. so like I, I knew I always wanted to do that. And when it was time for me to graduate high school um, and go to college, I, you know, I didn't really know. I, I kind of had the sense that I wanted to go to school for English because I loved English. And then you know, there are people in your life who are kind of like, well, do you know what you want to do with that degree? Do you know what path you want to take? Maybe do something that's a little more like where you know what your job will be at the end. And so I, at the time was getting a lot of like ultrasounds done. And so I was like, this is cool. Um, and I liked science a lot. And so I decided to go to school for ultrasound, um, which is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different from, than writing. Uh, uh, writing. And, um, and so I went to school for diagnostic ultrasound. And then that's how I started my career. And then it, it wasn't fulfilling to me. Um, once I graduated and really got in it, I, I liked the work, but it, I just wasn't as fulfilled in my job as I wanted to be. And so when I was 28, I started thinking about ways that I could find um, more fulfillment in my life. And I just thought, well, if there's anything in the world I can do, what would I be doing? And I said, it, like instantly, I was like, I'd write. And at that point, I hadn't written for 10 years. I was 28. Um, I had not written since I was in high school. Um, but I just knew like instantly that if I could do anything in the world, I'd write. And so I started to write. Um, and it did slowly start to fill me back up. And it gave me that fulfillment that I was really lacking in my life. And um, so I started pursuing publication seriously. And that was, I don't know what year was that? That was 2020. 2012, 2012. And then um, it took nine years. And so I was writing in the evenings and weekends between being on call at the hospital and, um, you know, shifts at work. And then finally got published in 2021. <laughs> well, I'm glad you stayed dedicated and I'm glad you continued the path because your books, when, because I'm a bookseller, and when I tell people about your books, 
the first thing I say is your books feel like a hug. They're so warm and they're inviting and they're magical and they're just beautiful. Like the worlds you create because they are rooted in, you know, real places, but then you have this magic and these witchiness and it's just, they're just absolutely beautiful to lose yourself in. And so I just, I'm very happy that you stay dedicated and you stayed the course because (laughs) honestly, and like I said, your books somehow, which I don't, I didn't, you know, I don't think it's possible when I read the book that you recently released. I don't think, okay, how is she going to be able to top this? But somehow you do. Oh, Um, thanks. (laughs) And one thing with your books that, like I just said, where they are rooted in actual places, but you still have this magic that you bring in and the witchiness and whatnot. What made you want to go the contemporary route and not do something, you know, where you create your own entire world? What made you want to bring witches and magic to the world that we live in now? Yeah, I think that one, you know, one of the things I really love is taking something that we see every day that has become kind of mundane or just part of our daily life and making us look at it in a different way and see the wonder and awe of it. And so like weather was something that I've always been amazed by, but it's something that like we get so used to, right? Like a thunderstorm is happening and a lot of times it's just, oh, it's the weather. But when you think about what's actually happening in the sky, like that is magic. I mean, it's like an electrical charge in the sky. It's like really this incredible thing that has become kind of routine to us. And so something that I love about writing magic systems that are based off of like the nature and our world is that it, I think, helps us see our world through a new lens. And I, and that's just something that I really love about um, contemporary fantasy or about magic systems that just feel really rooted in the world that we know. So what made you want to go the fantasy route? Because with contemporary books, obviously, you know, you could do romance, you could do mystery thriller, something where you don't have to bring that magic in. But what specifically made you want to go, I want to do fantasy? Was that when you first started writing, was that something that you just inherently knew that you were going to do fantasy and then everything else kind of followed? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I really think that it was the idea that came. And then I was like, oh, well, this is fantasy. Um, and the books I had written prior to Nature that um, did not get published, they um, were not, they they weren't witchy. And they didn't really, I would say they had very subtle magic systems, but every book I had written leading up to that definitely had a speculative element. So I knew that I wasn't writing like, like just contemporary they all had like a speculative twist in them um and the nature was the one I wrote that actually um became a lot more uh, fantastical and magical as I was writing it initially it was a very very subtle form of magic I didn't even call them witches um it was just a totally different um different book and as I was editing it and I compiled some feedback I had gotten. I realized that I wanted to make the book much, much more magical. And so it was really writing fantasy as a way to uh, produce the book I wanted to produce. So I, but I didn't sit down to be like, oh, I'm a fantasy writer. Okay. What made you want to do witches? You know, there's so many different kinds of fantasy characters you know you got the vampires which I know you're a fan of you got werewolves you got Mm -hmm. all this other stuff what made you want to do witches so um again it really 
followed from the idea that I was writing. So as I said, initially it wasn't, it was a much more subtle form of magic. So the nature of mm -hmm. witches originally, it was not called the nature of witches and there weren't witches in it. Um, they were people called seasonaries who had like a very, um, like a like a connection to the atmosphere and to the seasons but like they couldn't really do much with that connection it was um and uh I had gone to this writing workshop and someone had basically said to me oh so they're like glorified weathermen and I was like what no no they aren't and then I got home and I reread it and I was like, oh, wow, they are glorified weathermen. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh, no. So I ended up um, rewriting pretty much the entire book and decided that I wanted to really lean in to the magical element of the book. And so I ended up creating a magic system for each of the seasons and really uh, making the book uh, feel a lot more fantasy. Uh, feel a lot more fantasy like I guess and so throughout that I was like well what kind of person would wield this magic and because the magic is so rooted in nature I was like it would be witches because I've always thought of witches as people who had like a very strong yeah. connection to the natural world and to their environment and so they just felt like they would be the the kinds of people who would have this kind of magic and so that was ultimately how I came to write about witches and then I feel like I really found myself when I was writing the nature of witches in a lot of ways. I feel like that book really put into sharp focus for me the things that matter to me, the things that are really important and the things that I love. And so um, it just kind of kept on going from there. I don't think I ever intended to write three books in a row about witches. Um, I just really love them. And I really love writing about um, magic. And so uh yeah here we are now three books later and they've <laughs> all been about witches okay I'm good with it I love witches I've loved witches from a young age with my mom and my aunts but quick question okay if you had to be if you were a witch and you had to have one kind of magic what kind of magic would you have any magic or like a kind of magic from my own books any magic any magic well Honestly, I think I'm going to still choose a magic from my books because what I desperately want is the ability to make magical tea, like nice. the tea shop in midnight, because if I could have like a tea that would help me sleep better at night, or that would like calm my anxiety, <laughs> or that would, you know, get me really energized, I would for sure want that. Absolutely. So I I'm, and I think, I, and I think just in general, low stakes magic is kind of more my cup of tea to really keep going there with that that line of magic but um no I, pun intended with a cup of tea yeah I um the really big stakes magic I'm thankful that there are other people out there you know and and characters who can wield that kind of power but that just seems like a lot and I think I'd like a <laughs> I think I'd like a more calm uh a lower stakes kind of a magic <laughs> I like it okay so in the future if you ever open up your own tea shop mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I'll just go and I'll buy it and I'll be happy. Yes. It's, listen, it is a dream of mine. I love tea. I would love to have my own tea shop, like slash reading room one day, but. What's your favorite kind of tea? Oh gosh. Um, well, for like caffeinated tea, I love, let's see. I love Darjeeling. 
tea. It's it's a black tea. Um, and I also really, really love um, Ceylon. And they're just like great black teas to have in the morning. Um, and then I'm also a huge mint tea drinker that I drink every night. This is like a total tangent and so ridiculous. But I, when I was in Scotland last year, every place serves mint tea. And so I ordered it just kind of like after every meal I had when um, my husband and I were there, we just had it every night after dinner. And I was like, this is awesome. And I've always been a tea drinker at night. Like my, I'm a creature of habit. And like every night my husband makes us tea and we like sit on the couch and read. And so like, that's been my routine for a long time, but I had never really gotten into mint. Anyway, in Scotland, we were drinking all of this mint tea. And so I started like researching it and it's actually like really helps aid in digestion. <laughs> So I was like, oh, so then I think I just got it in my head as like, like, I need this in order to help me digest my dinner. I don't know, <laughs> but it really stuck. And so now I like, I have it every night after dinner um, and it's really lovely. Very nice. Are you a loose leaf or are you like an actual bag person? A loose leaf person. Loose leaf. Do you yeah. grow your own mint? Like, especially with the mint tea, do you grow your own or do you buy um, it? Um, I, I buy my own like mint tea. I do have mint in the back, but I don't know how, how good that would be. <laughs> Actually though, I will say there was one restaurant I went to in Scotland where you could order fresh mint tea and it was basically just a bunch of fresh mint and like warm water. And I, and I ordered it and it was lovely, like super subtle, but it had like a yeah. little bit of sweetness. It was really nice. With your tea, is there a certain place that you buy it from? Like, do you buy it online or is there a certain shop kind of around where you live that you go? Yeah, there are two shops that are local to me and that, that also have online shops that anyone listening can go to, but the first is called Lizzie Kate. That's in, um, that's, you know, here in Washington and they just have like a huge variety of tea. They're wonderful, super nice. And then the other one is called perennial tea room. Um, that one's in Pike place market for anyone who's been to, uh, Seattle and they're, um, they just ha also have like a really amazing selection of tea. The owners are really passionate about what they do. Um, and they're just, they're just great. So I highly recommend both of those shops. Good to know. I'm going to have to go look those, look those up because I love tea as well. Chai for caffeinated. Chai is my baby. I love chai. I could drink chai every day and I wouldn't get tired of it, but I always like tea before bed as well. There's something kind of soothing about it where it kind of settles me or whatnot, but I'm definitely going to have to look that up. So I will say if you like one for right before bed, that's really like soothing. My other favorite one that I was drinking before I hopped aboard the mint train <laughs> is called um, Post Alley Cappuccino. And that's okay. from um, Perennial Tea Room. And it is, it's, it's decaf. It's, it's a rooibos um, base, but it's very, um, like, it's, uh, it has like this richness to it where it does almost have like a coffee-esque like richness to it. Um, and it's really lovely for before bed. It's like a very soothing tea. I'm going to have to try that then because I have been trying to not drink caffeine. I got really sick for a while and I kind of went through the detox because I would have coffee or tea every single morning. And so when I was sick, I couldn't really drink anything. And, you know, I was on medication and it kind of helped counteract the withdrawals <laughs> of caffeine. And so since that's happened, I've tried not to drink caffeine. So anything that kind of gives me that same taste and texture, whatnot, without 
the caffeine sounds like a sounds like a plus I'll have to try that yeah try that and then there's also um and then we can move on from tea but there's also a uh one that my husband drinks every night called rooibos chai and you might also really like that because it has like the chai flavor and spices in there and it's delicious okay well you sold me that's also decaf so I'm gonna have to buy both of those so you just made a wonderful (laughs) sale (laughs) so with writing fantasy because I write fantasy as well it's very different than writing contemporary or writing something that well isn't fantasy uh you have to create your own worlds you have to create your own magic like in your case how do you get in the right headspace to do that because it's very different and with me I do full fantasy where I create my own world so I don't have to play by the rules of our world so how do you get in the right headspace to create something that's grounded in our world but is also magical and has its own rules. How do you combine the two? How do you get in that right headspace? Yeah, I think that um, for me, because I write magic that's based on nature, it's a very, it, it feels very natural to me to combine it with the world that we live in. And so I definitely, I will say before I ever start a book, and this isn't necessarily specific to the magic system, but in terms of getting in the headspace to write, I do a ton of work up front about what I want, like the tone and the atmosphere of my book to feel like. I put a ton of work into that before I ever start drafting, because that is such an important part of the book for me. And if I go into a book not having that, then it's really, really difficult for me to write. And so I, you know, know, I build a playlist and I create Pinterest boards and I make sure that I understand what I want, like what I want this book to feel like as it's being read before I go into it. Um, And that helps a lot. And so when um, I'm writing magic systems, I want to know like, what do I want this magic system to feel like? What do I want this book to feel like when like, ultimately, what's my goal here once it reaches publication and and it reaches readers. Like, what do I want them to feel as they're reading? Um, And that informs a lot of how I draft and how I craft the magic systems in my book and ultimately the settings and where, where they're, where they're, they're, they take place at. And, and uh, really like if they're in our world or if it's, you know, even midnight is not our world, but in my mind, it's just like a reimagined Pacific Northwest. And so I just do a lot of that work up front because all of that, I think, informs what kind of a book this is going to be. Is this going to be more of an epic fantasy where I'm creating a new world for a reader to explore? Or is this going to be something that is set here that helps us, you know, that that maybe illuminates parts of our own world that we haven't thought a lot about um, or that have just become part of our daily lives? And with nature, because it was so focused on weather, I wanted it to be set in this world. How do you push through those days where you don't want to write, your brain is just not working with you that day, where something is, you're, you know, you're approaching a scene where you know it's going to be difficult to write because it might be something like you've never written before. Um, it might have a connection to your actual life where you're kind of processing some things that have happened to you through the scene. How do you push through those moments and how do you push through writer's block when that happens? Well, the first answer, and this is not, I don't think, and it's probably not very helpful, but like, I mean, I have to like, right. Like I, the book is due, like, yeah. so, you know, at some point, like, you know, if you like, 
I have deadlines and this is how I, how I get paid. And so like, I'm kind of like, well, I have to do it. But, but I also find that like a side of that, um, for me, most of the time writing through it is what helps the most. And I know that that's like, not a great answer because, uh, because it's so hard to do that. And a lot of it, and just feels like pulling teeth, but like, I, things get harder for me the longer I stay away from a book. So like if I'm really struggling with a project and I will say Wild is the Witch, which was my second book, was pretty much, it was like the hardest book I've ever written. And every day felt like that where I I felt like it was pulling teeth, even just getting a single sentence down. Um, and I found though that like, it, you know, I'd take a day away or two days away or three days away. And I'm a huge proponent of breaks, by the way. Um, I do, you do not have to write every day to be a writer. That's, yeah, I, I definitely don't write every day. Um, however, when I'm in a project and if I get stuck and I step away, the longer I get away, the bigger the issue becomes in my mind and the more intimidating and harder it is for me to address it when I finally come back to it. So what I tend to do is if I'm having a day where it is really hard for me to get words on the page, I'm a huge, I'm a big walker. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go for a walk um, and I won't listen to music and I won't talk and I, and I don't bring my phone and I just walk. And a lot of times, that that will help shake loose whatever it is that is that I'm getting stuck around and if that doesn't work and I I come back to my desk and I'm still struggling I will try and figure out why it is I'm struggling am I struggling because this scene is deeply personal to me and it feels really vulnerable and scary to write it Am I struggling because I actually think I took a wrong turn somewhere in the book and this is not the right direction I want the story to go in in which case, let me go back and figure out where I took a wrong turn or am I struggling really because some days writing is hard and I don't want to do it today. And once I can pinpoint really like why it is I'm struggling, then I can kind of go from there. But if the answer for me is, uh, I just don't want to do it. I'm writing is hard and I, I don't know what I'm writing today and I just don't want to do it. I just sit down and do it. I mean, I think it. that like, this idea of inspiration and that like we can only write or create when we're inspired is um, that's a lovely idea, but it's not the reality of a creative life. There are days where I sit down and I completely lose track of time because the words are flowing and, uh, you know, I'll look up from my desk in a haze and three hours have gone by. And those days are absolute magic and I love them. And they're also rare. That's not the norm for me. And then there are days where I sit down and writing a single sentence feels like the hardest thing I've ever done. And both of those types of creative days can produce a book at the end of them. And both of them can also produce a book that we're happy with and that we're proud of and that we love. And so really it's just about putting in the work even on the days where it feels awful. What's been the hardest scene for you to write? I know you said that uh, Wild is the Witch was your hardest book to write, but what's been the hardest scene? Yeah, Wild was hard uh, for a lot of reasons, but I think my the hardest scenes we're probably in, I'm going to say midnight, mainly because there's a, 
it, midnight's extremely personal to me. And so it does feel vulnerable, like a, a level of vulnerability that I wasn't used to. And so there were, there were a couple scenes that I was just like sobbing my way through in midnight. And I don't want to say what they are because I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. um, a just chapters 29 and 30 through 31 were really like I was I couldn't even see my screen I was crying so hard when I wrote them and then there's also a scene where she's on the beach with her parents and her dad comes after her and that's all I'll say and that one was also like I was just sobbing my way through that one as well so I never like cried like that right I did I definitely written a scene before where like I'd cried like a few little tears as I was writing but I was like I, I just sobbed my way through writing midnight. And so, and, and so that, you know, had its own, had its own challenges. But that, that emotion and that vulnerability though really transfers to the page. And as a reader, that book, I mean, all I freaking love all of your books, but that book, especially towards the end and when some certain things happen in midnight, it's just, it's so gripping but in the best possible way, like you can feel the emotion and it makes the experience as a reader so much better because it's just, it's just, it's interesting and it's raw and it's vulnerable. And for all of you listening, if you have not read uh, Bring Me Your Midnight, which is her most recent one, I highly recommend you go buy it because it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. It goes back to the writing and the world and the characters that you create are just absolutely beautiful. And one of the biggest characters uh, in your book is the Pacific Northwest itself. Uh, what made you want to base, I know you're a big nature person, I know you live in the Pacific Northwest, but what made you want to create your books in the Pacific Northwest? So I think um, the the main reason kind of goes back to like, well, there's a few things. The first is that I just absolutely love it here. I've lived here my whole life. It's beautiful. I you know, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. So I just, I really love it here. And so it's fun for me to spend time in, in bringing it to life and in books. But uh, the other reason, like I said, in the beginning, before I ever sit down to write a book, I sit down and do a lot of work on what I want the tone and atmosphere to feel like. And for um, Wild is the Witch, and then subsequently for Midnight, I knew exactly you know, that kind of setting I wanted for them. And they were both like the Pacific Northwest is moody, right? We have, we have, we have the ocean and we have mountains and we have lots of fog and lots of overcast days and lots of rain. And so if, you know, depending on that kind of atmosphere, if that, if that's what I'm looking for in a story, I'm going to set it here. And, and a lot of that too, is because I like, because setting is so important to me in my books, I want to write a setting that I know very well um, because I do want the setting in my books to kind of feel like its own character and so when I write a book it's really important to me that I know the area in which I'm writing it very well so the nature of witches takes place in Pennsylvania and the reason for that is because I really wanted it set somewhere that it really experienced like the quintessential four seasons that we think of that really had distinctive four seasons and the Pacific Northwest does, but it doesn't have them the way the East coast does. And so, uh, and then my husband grew up 
on, on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. And so uh, that became, I was like, oh, well, I've spent a ton of time there and, and I know that area well. And so, um, but I, I think I would do, I would always do a lot of research on a setting because, because setting is so important to me as a writer. I just, I really want it to feel like this very immersive reading experience. And a lot of that, it always, you know, goes back to setting. What are some fun day trips or hikes or what places that you like to go visit, little shops that you like to go visit in the uh, Pacific Northwest that you would recommend? Oh my gosh. Well, there are so, there are so many. Um, Well, first of all, like there are so many day hikes in the area, just so many. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites is called Poo Poo Point, which is like the most ridiculous name, but um, (laughs) it's this like, really, it's, it's not far out from Seattle. And it's like just a really beautiful uh, day hike, the summit, Um, you see people like running off and is that paragliding? Um, And then it just has this like really vast view and it's just really beautiful. I really love Lake Serene, which is farther out, um, but it's, it's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. There are just so many great day hikes. And then also we have... um, we have uh, the Washington coast, which is about two and a half hours from Seattle. And I go to the coast a lot, not for a day trip. Um, I, I spend, I spend a lot of time out at the coast, but I love the ocean just so much. It is just like my favorite place in the world. And um, the ocean, I feel like in Washington is just special because it is such moody weather here that like, it's funny because um, I've been going to the coast now for about seven years and I had never gone in the summer. It's like, why would I go to the beach in the summer? That's weird. You go to the beach in the winter where like, it's, you know, raining and, and you have to have like fire going the whole time and it's all cozy and you're drinking tea all day. And then this last year I went to the beach, uh, to the ocean for the first time in the summer. And I was like, why have I never done this before? This is lovely. <laughs> like, um, oh, but I always nice. just thought of it as this like cold weather, like kind of like moody place you go in the winter, but um, no, it's lovely in the summer too. <laughs> well, those kinds of days though, cause I lived up in Northern Idaho for several years and then I'm back down in California where we really don't get four seasons. We maybe get one and a half seasons if I'm totally <laughs> honest with you, but the weather, like people who don't live up there, they don't understand how quickly the weather can change. Mm-hmm. Like, at least in Northern Idaho, one day it could be October and it'll say, okay, it's going to be 85 degrees sunny. So you dress that and then you go and, you know, you go into town, you know, 10 miles away and it's snowing. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it changes at the drop of a hat. And so the beaches, I'm the same way where I like going in the winter. I like the cold weather. I love snow. I love rain. I would take that any day where I could sit inside, read a book with my dogs. And I would take that any day over the heat. And so the Pacific Northwest, just in your books, it's just Again, I know I've used this word so many times already, but it's just, it's beautiful. And as someone who loves the Pacific Northwest and who loves that cooler weather, I love those kinds of settings where, and I feel like they have a magic all on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did want to ask, so with, I don't know if you did this with Nature of Witches, but I know you did it with Wild is the Witch and Bring Me Your Midnight. You did special pre-order and like a campaign where any books that were pre-ordered, you picked a specific organization uh or, you know a charity something like that to where you donated a portion of the proceeds from the pre-orders to that organization 
I, I know the connection because I've read your books and I know what organizations you chose, but why did you pick those organizations and what made you want to start doing that in the first place? Yeah. So it did start um, with the nature of witches and, um, you know, publishing nature was just, I mean, it was like my biggest dream come true. And so I started thinking about ways that I could uh, publish it that would feel really special to me that would feel like I, I don't know. I just, I wanted to do something that, that felt just like really, really special. And so when I started thinking about it, I started thinking about how cool it would be to be able to support nature, right? Like the nature of witches is like a love letter to the earth. So I was like, what, is there something I could do here that would, uh, that would really drive that point home. And that I felt like really, uh, would, um, would, go nicely with like the themes of the book. And so um, I ended up doing a ton of research and uh, decided that I would plant a tree for um, every pre-order of the book. And so I partnered with One Tree Planted um, and it was just an amazing experience. Like it was, it was so cool to see the way readers got so excited about it because I don't think I fully anticipated that it was something that like I was so excited about I was like we're gonna plant all of these trees and I love trees so much and I was just like this is like the perfect way to celebrate launching this book into the world but then readers got so excited about it too and it was just this amazing thing that that we kind of did together. And so I wanted to do that again and I wanted to do it again. And so um, with the subsequent books, I wanted the organizations I was supporting to feel like if like if you read the book or honestly, kind of, if you don't, but for um, it to, for you to get like why I chose that organization, I wanted it to really be um, something that uh, that goes really well with the book. And so w- with Wild, and Wild was the one that was hardest for me to find an organization because I really, really wanted to support Northern Spotted Owls. But um, because they are a threatened species, there actually aren't a ton of organizations that do work with that uh, with that specific type of owl. And so I was doing a ton of research and I found some organizations that weren't quite right for one reason or another. I mean, great organizations, but that like, you know, the way in which the donation would work or the way we would set it up wasn't just quite what I was looking for. And then I found uh, wild care in um, California and they had uh, one of their wildlife ambassadors was Sequoia, who is a Northern spotted owl. And she uh, fell from her nest at a very young age and can't survive in the wild. And so we were able to support her. And then I was able to go and meet her. And I like sobbed when I met this owl and I think Sequoia was like, could not care less of my existence and was honestly kind of annoyed that I woke her up, which fair. Um, but I was like, sobbing, like, this is the greatest day of my life. Um, anyway. So, and then, and then with bring me or midnight, I found, I found sea trees, which is kelp reforestation, which just goes really, really well with, with bring me or midnight. And so I just do a ton of research until I find an organization that I feel like really, encapsulates a lot of what I'm trying to do in my books. And, um, and then uh, I, you know, I chat with them about a partnership and these organizations have all just been amazing to work with. But I think the coolest thing is how excited readers get because it's now something that feels like we do it together. And it's, 
just a really fun, it's, it's one of my favorite things about, about launching a book into the world. So let's pivot because you have, now that you've published three books and like you said, there's that community now between you and your readers, you have become, you've become a staple in the YA kind of fantasy world. So how do you manage your calendar? Cause I know you have book tours. You're, I believe you're going to Europe soon, mm-hmm. correct? Um, yeah. with a group of other wonderful authors, like how do you manage all of that? And how does, I mean, how has that affected you as an author and just you as a person being able to get to do all of that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a huge work in progress and it is honestly something that like, I am still trying to figure out. It's this enormous blessing. And I feel extraordinarily lucky that I get to travel for my work and I love meeting readers. There is absolutely nothing quite like it. But when you compare, like when you take travel with promotion and marketing and all of the other stuff that goes into publishing a book that is not the writing, you start to have to get like very protective of the time you actually have to write. Um, And that is a balancing act for sure. And it is something that I am still trying to figure out myself. I'm not someone who is productive on an airplane. I wish that I was, I wish that I could, you know, get on my flight next week and, you know, get nine hours of work done, but that is for sure not me. Um, and I've always been that way. I don't work well in coffee shops. I'm, I'm easily distracted. I like to write at home. And so, and when I'm traveling too, you know, you're tired. It's like, I'm not, I'm never going to be like, let me just get in like an hour of work before I go do this event in a hotel. Like I, I wish that I would do that, but I, but I don't. Um, it's, you know, it's very tiring. And so you, you know, all of those things start to take away from the actual time you have to write. And that's tough. Like it, you know, I remember last year and, uh, it was at the beginning of December and, um, my husband asked me what I was like looking forward to for the end of the year. And I was like, time to write. And it sounds silly because I, because I write full time, but when you take into account all of the promotion and the travel and all of the other things that go into releasing a book, um, it's actually just, the writing is just a portion of what you do. It's the most important portion portion for sure, but it's a balancing act. And it's one that I feel like I'm constantly readjusting, but to say something that's like actually helpful or like answers the question. I do really, I am definitely a creature of habit and and I rely on my routine like very heavily. And so for me, I am not super creative in the mornings. I'm not really a morning person at all. Um, And so, yeah. And so I do all of my non-writing work in the morning. I do admin stuff. I do, uh, promo and any marketing stuff I have, like that's when I plan stuff for social media. That's when I reply to all of my emails. Um, And then once the afternoon comes around and I start to feel creative and more like a human, that's when I actually write. And so, uh, and I'm also, which I really hate now, especially now that I'm getting older. Uh, When I was younger, I didn't mind at all, but now like I do more or less want to be on a normal sleep schedule, but I am super creative at night and I do really like some of my best work at night. I will not, if I'm not on deadline or if I'm not 
I, if I don't have something like imminently due, I, w- I don't work the evenings and weekends. I really do try to stick to un- like a normal schedule. But when I'm on deadline, I mean, it's all evenings. It's like, <laughs> uh, I work really well at night. Also, you know, at night you don't get emails, you don't get as many text messages or phone calls. Like it's a very peaceful time, uh, for me and it's more quiet. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, the evenings are, are where it's at, unfortunately, because now, you know, like I said, I like to like sit on the couch and have my tea and read at night. Like, but I, I do, I do work really well at night. So, and I'm also a night owl. Like even I go to bed now around midnight and that has been like, I fought for that. I mean, I used to be like a two, 3 a.m. kind of person and yep. now it's, and now I'm like, oh, it's so, you know, I go to bed so early now, but it's actually out of, um, most of my friends, they're still like, no, you, you go to bed pretty late. And I'm like, oh, I guess maybe I do. I don't know. It feels, <laughs> it feels early to me, but, um, but you know, I do, I am always now trying to be like asleep by midnight. So, so I got to ask it back a little bit. I got to ask because I am also a night owl and my boyfriend is a hundred percent a morning person. So is your husband a morning person? Um, he's he's better than I am he's like a magical creature because I and I don't understand (laughs) it but like he does not need an alarm for anything he just knows when he needs to wake up and he just wakes up even if he got to bed late even if it's a 4 a.m flight like and he'll set a backup alarm but he has I think I actually we've been together now for almost 10 years I cannot remember a single time an alarm has ever woken him up he just, wow. but the crazy thing is, so if I have an early morning flight, I'm nervous I'm going to miss it. So I'm going to wake up every hour on the hour yep. being like, did I miss my flight? He's yep. not like that. He will just sleep a comfortable, lovely, deep sleep <laughs> until he needs to wake up. And it's very bizarre, but, um, but uh, so he's, I will say he's better at getting up than I am, but he is like left to his own devices also good, would go to bed at like two or 3 a.m. It's just that we've, we've really tried to get on a norm and especially because like my publishing team is on the East coast. And so when I was like, I also, I want eight hours of sleep a night. So when I was going to bed (laughs) at 3am, I'm not getting up for quite some time. And, but that's like almost the end of the day if you're on the East coast. And so I was like, I really need to like pull this back a little bit. So anyway but yeah we were both night owls and so and uh and so it works out but I do think like if we and for me like if my if I told my team hey like this is my (laughs) schedule they'd be fine with that like but you know the society is not built for night owls like if I ever want to actually be able to like send an email when someone's in the office I'm like okay I need to actually get up at a reasonable time (laughs) At a reasonable time, because by the time I get up and I actually send it, they're going to be gone for the day. For sure. Yes. Because it takes a while, right? It's not, I don't think wake up and then bound out of bed. It's like a process. (laughs) It is a process. It is a hundred percent a process and it's a routine. Like you have your routine, you get out of bed, Mm -hmm. you do this, you do that. Yeah. I, I get that. Okay. So we are going to pivot to our rapid fire questions. I have to tell you in advance, I'm horrible at rapid fire. I, (laughs) the rapid part does not go well with me. So I understand the rapid fire questions. questions. 
Yeah, I'm going to try and be rapid about them, but I'm not awesome at them because I feel that I always need to explain my answers. <laughs> so rapid fire <laughs> questions just means that we go down the list and we're going to hit everyone. It doesn't mean that you can't you explain it. and you can't elaborate because perfect that stuff is interesting. Okay, so what is your favorite genre to read? Okay, this is, see, already I started with, okay, so you know <laughs> it's not going to be rapid. Um, I'm a very, very wide reader. So that would be very difficult for me to choose. I I really love nonfiction and I really, uh, I love cozy fantasy and I love romanticy. I love, uh, I love romance. I just, I love contemporary. I love everything. I like, I know that that's an annoying thing to say, but I really do. And um, so it would be really, really hard for me to choose. But I will say, typically my favorite books except we're, if we're not talking about nonfiction, but my typic like my favorite novels typically do have romance in them whether it's contemporary romance or or like a you know a sweet YA rom-com or like romanticy or fantasy with like I do love I love a love story when I was younger well now that I'm older I realized that when I was younger the book I the books I would read they had to have some level of romance or a love interest in them or I just did not find them interesting at all when it came to fiction and I mean obviously when I was a kid it's a very different definition of romance or romantic mm -hmm. interest than it is now that I'm an adult but I feel like I'm still that way I do enjoy nonfiction on the occasion but my general you know my general favorite genres to read it has to have romance in it or I'm just not it doesn't draw me in I don't know there's something yeah I it. I just I I love I love romance and I love love and I love to read about it and so and so I guess I know that's romance is in every genre so that's going to be my cheat answer and say romance okay. because it can basically be in any genre it works it totally works so <laughs> if you could write one trope that you haven't written already what would it be it would for sure be an arranged marriage or marriage of convenience oh. um and because I mean there's an arranged marriage in uh in Bring Me Your Midnight, but that's not the kind I mean. The kind of the kind of arranged marriage I mean is when they actually marry each other and don't want to marry each other, or they have to for convenience and they end up falling in love. I would love to write that one day. Also, I don't know if we consider vampires a trope, but I for sure want to write a vampire book one day. Please write a vampire book. Please. I am obsessed <laughs> with vampires. My mom and my again, my aunts and I, we are obsessed with vampires. We have been from since I was a little kid. You know, Bram Stoker's Dracula is still my all-time favorite Dracula movie. Please, please write a <laughs> vampire book. I'm putting that out into the universe. Yes, one, one day. One day. So what are you currently reading and what is on your TBR list this month? I am currently finishing up Foxglove by Adeline Grace, which is Ooh. phenomenal. And uh, I am also looking forward to um, A Course for True Love by Stephanie Barber. And then, um, let's see, A Study in Drowning by Ava Reed is coming yes. out soon, which I'm very excited about. Let's see. And I'm trying to think, like, it's funny, I get asked this question, and then it's as if I've never read an, a book in my whole life, like every <laughs> book. So now I'm like turning around to be like, what is on my TBR for, um, oh, and certainly the follow-up to Divine Rivals is coming out in December, and I cannot wait to read it by Rebecca Ross, um, Ruthless Vows. I am obsessed with Divine Rivals. That book. It's so good. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I'm so glad it's out because I read that book early uh, to provide a blurb for it. And I 
completely fell in love with it. And I was like, I need to talk to someone about this book. <laughs> um, it's so, so good. So I cannot wait to read, read the follow-up. It's, inc- it's absolutely incredible. So what is the most valuable piece of advice you've received in regards to your writing? Oh gosh, there are so many, but I will say something that really, really stuck with me. And it was something that like I did early on out that stemmed from a conversation I had with um, a writer who was farther along with me, but basically that like, you can treat your writing like a job before it's ever your job. Like it basically like your dreams are allowed to take up space before you ever get external validation for those dreams, whether that external validation you're looking for is um, finding, you know, critique partners or beta readers, or if it's an agent or a book deal or whatever, like you don't have to wait for those things in order to let your dreams take up space. And so for me, um, because I was working in healthcare and I had a very grueling schedule with being on call, I scheduled my writing time every week. And some weeks I could only schedule out an hour or two, but I fiercely protected that hour or two and made sure that I showed up and I, and I wrote because otherwise no one else was going to make space for my dream if I didn't. Right. And so um, I think that one of the absolute best things, maybe the best thing I ever did for myself was that I treated it like a job and I fiercely protected those hours long before I had any external validation long before I had made really any, any progress before, you know, it was that the, these were my hours that, and I protected them. And I think that that's really important for us to be able to do. If people don't take anything else away from this episode, which I hope isn't the case. I want that to be like the main thing that dreams are allowed to take up space. Your dreams are allowed to have a presence in your life and they're allowed to take up space. That's absolutely gorgeous. I love that. So if you, if you weren't an author, what do you think you would be doing for work? Like, what is your dream job? If you weren't, if you wouldn't, if you yeah, you know, it's so hard. Like this is of course my dream job. Um, But I, I, I think I would be doing something with conservation or environmentalism. I don't know exactly what I would be doing or maybe something with forestry, but um, I, I, I don't know if I would be in like environmental science or just some, something probably in that realm is, is what I'd be doing. Be doing. Okay. Or maybe I just have a flower farm, honestly, like that also sounds lovely. That does sound so, amazing. Yeah. So, but I, I think it'd, it'd really be, it'd be heavily involved in nature in some way and with certainly with like a conservation element. So at some point you need to open up a tea house, a reading room, and then in the back, it'll have a flower farm. Yes. A little flower (laughs) farm. It's perfect where you can go and pick like a bouquet of flowers. It's perfect. Done. There you go. Next business idea for you. Perfect. No more books. I'll just open up my tea (laughs) shop. Nope. You got to do the books. You got to keep, you got to keep doing the books. Um, (laughs) If you can invite anyone over for dinner, dead or alive, what's the one person you would invite? Okay, this question is really tough because there are a lot of people, but honestly, I'd want to have Taylor Swift over. Um, I am so inspired by music. I, I just so inspired. And I think Taylor Swift, her music and her lyrics, like I just, I want to talk, like I want to know how her brain works. Like I just think it would be, fascinating to talk to her about creating um and so I'm and and you know the fact that her music has mattered to millions and millions of people I mean I just 
that's a really inspiring thing. So I, I'd love to talk to her about about that. Were you able to go to her concert? Yes, I was. And it was amazing. Did you go? I did not. But I bought tickets to go see it in the movie theater when it comes out. Because I, oh, I love good. T-Swift. So I'll see it at some yeah. point. So if you could invite any fictional person over for dinner, who would you invite? Doesn't have to be from your books, but totally. No, it's obviously Damon Salvatore. Like, not, yes. that's not a question. It's Damon. <laughs> and he's actually not allowed to leave. Like, I'm not inviting him over for dinner. I'm inviting him over to, like, stay with me forever. Did, and- did you watch the newer show that he was in where he was a vampire? It wasn't Vampire Diaries. Was it? No. The V Wars, I want to say as well. Oh, it was I I know what you're talking about. No, I've not seen it. Okay, okay. I had to ask because I haven't seen that either. But I love Vampire Diaries, so I had to ask. It's yeah, so good. So I know that you are going on tour to Europe soon. Mm-hmm. So is there a place where you haven't visited on tour, either domestically or internationally, that you want to go to that you haven't been to yet? Let's see. So in the states, like I would really love to go to like Arizona. And Colorado. Those are just places like these are really also just places I want to go to. But um, <laughs> but I think I have a lot of readers in Arizona. And so I'd really love to go to Arizona. And then uh, let's see it. I mean, internationally, I'm, uh, I would love to do so I haven't done. I'm not I'm going to be in London, but I'm not doing an event in London while I'm there. And so I'd really one day love to do an event in London. And then uh, I would also love and right now I have not sold French rights but I would love to do an event in France like I'd love to sell my books in France and then be able to do an event there one day but the the main one that I really wanted to do was Spain um and I get to do that and just next week so I'm very I feel very very fortunate and very excited to be able to get to do that very nice and that's gonna be there's a powerhouse of you guys going to it's yeah it's It's gonna be insane Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. I'm excited to get to do it with friends too. And I just, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be amazing. Very nice. Okay, so last question. What currently brings you joy? Okay, what currently brings me joy? Well, sleeping in my own bed is bringing me joy after, you know, I spent about half of August on tour. And so I'm loving sleeping in my own bed. And I have been able to kind of, you know, leading up to release, all of my evenings were spent doing like promo stuff. And so now having my evenings back and reading has been bringing me a lot of joy. And then we also um, have been having like a gorgeous week this week. And so I've been going on lots of really long walks. And those are also bringing me a lot of joy. Very nice. Well, Rachel, thank you so, so much for being on here. I'm absolutely honored to chat with you. Like I said, I've been a fan for years and I'm so excited to see what you come up with next and to just see your career continue to take off and just thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun and I loved spending my morning chatting with you. So thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You as well. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And before I sign off, I would just like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune in. This has been a dream of mine for a long time, and I am absolutely honored to have you here. If you want to stay up to date on episodes and announcements, please subscribe or follow me at The Real Bookish Writer 
or at the well-read podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and have a magical day. See you next week. Mm-hmm.